Welcome to the Normal to Nomad podcast, where we share stories, thoughts, ideas, and conversations on our journey to find balance with nature in a technologically advanced world. My name is Baron. And I'm Elsa. We live together in a 13-foot scamp trailer with our dog camp in the American wilderness. Welcome back. Today we are talking about rigs and all the different types of rigs, how to choose one, and the different situations that different rigs make more sense for. To start this conversation out, we often get asked if we will ever upgrade to a bigger camper. It's a good question. It is a great question, and honestly, (laughs) when we started, I thought we would have by now. Um, But, do you want to answer? I don't know what... What would we have in a bigger camper that we don't have in the scamp? I think there's a lot of, lot of scenarios where bigger would make more sense. Smaller could make more sense in certain scenarios. What would smaller look like? Like a teardrop? A teardrop or a van. Um, and we'll get into wh- how we would make those smaller setups work and why. But I don't know... If we, I can't see myself upgrading the scamp in the near future. It would, if we're continuing living in the way that we are right now, doing a lot of off-grid camping, a good bit of moving around, but um, not full-time moving, I think the scamp is the best. Yeah, that's, people say upgrade all the time, like that's the word they use. But there aren't many things I can think of that would actually be a full-on, no-sacrifices upgrade. Yeah, because if it were bigger, yeah, then you wouldn't be able to move it around by hand. Which doesn't sound like it would be that useful. But almost every time we park it, we get the scamp situated a little bit better, a little bit more optimally, because I can move it around by hand. And then to get it in and out, it's so much easier because I can spin the scamp a full 180 to tow back out. So, it, and in any time we get stuck, the couple times that we have, that came in so clutch, it's just having a lighter camper. As you are hooking back up, it's really easy too. You yeah. don't have to sit and crank anything and then back the car in and out and in and out. Right. You just pick it up and put it right on the hitch. Yeah. Sometimes you'll have to roll it back and forth a little bit, but... Mm-hmm. You could not do that with a bigger camper. No. It would be nice to have a little bit more space, of course. It would be cool if we had, like, say, even a 16-foot scamp where we could have our bed set up and then some models come with two chairs and a table in between that can convert into a one-person bench or sleeping space. So having just a workspace, a solid workspace in the scamp. With a table, like a seat and a table, that would be a definite upgrade. But... Then we lose all the features of the small mm-hmm. scamp. And we would have to have a bigger car, which is okay, but really, um, you have to have a pretty big vehicle to be able to tow anything bigger than the scamp. And even if you do have a bigger vehicle and you're towing a scamp, it doesn't put as much strain on the components of the car. So there's a lot of sort of... Uh, benefits to having a smaller and lighter rig that are sort of over they're they're an oversight in a lot of cases and you know what too is that saying what what is it that the more space you have the more more you'll You'll fill fill the space that you have oh my god it's so true even if we had storage above 
the bed like a lot of the newer models do, it that would be full. Mm-hmm. So it's been pretty huge in my minimalist adventure, if you will, to really learn what is important to me. And because we can only have that in the scamp, we can only fit exactly what we need. So if we had something bigger, I'd probably start (laughs) filling it up with yarn and beads and stupid things I don't have to have, things that aren't essential. Some things that, like having such a small amount of space does hinder is getting into new sports. We have to be really thoughtful about the gear that we get. Like if Elsa were to get a mountain bike and we were to both start mountain biking more often, just carrying that on the back of this uh, Subi is a lot. And then if we were to get into paddle boarding, we'd likely need two paddle boards. So then we got to deal with all that. And then we were looking at the Oru kayaks, but even when they're folded up, they're still pretty freaking big and we would have to store that in the back of the Subaru so it's really hard as we move around so much we're going from mountains to ocean to lakes so it seems like we have so many opportunities to get into new sports yeah and we have to be really selective if we had a bigger rig we could probably carry more sports stuff but I mean we'd carry all kinds of new stuff if we had more space so I like having the small space for that reason Yeah, so that's kind of a long answer to a short question. Um, Next, let's dive into the different rigs that we would consider and uh, the situations that each of those sort of accommodate. First, what would be your favorite? And then we'll get into all of them, but what would be your number one for us? For us. My favorite for us. Like, if I could choose anything. Yeah. Honestly, I haven't been inside of them, but there's a... Uh, like Mercedes Sprinter that uh, Winnebago has redone and it has and on the back windows it has these little uh, fiberglass fold out or not fold outs but like bumps so that you have a full bed lengthwise or oh. widthwise um, those look so really nice. cool so it's just like a big it's not that big but it's a Sprinter and I think those would, are really cool. Why? Do you want the Sprinter for height? Or? I don't know that I even do want it. <laughs> they just look really cool. Sprinters are sweet. And being able to stand up in it. And then one of the big things, and I was talking to Tucker about this. This is fascinating. This is like a side shoot of that. But um, with the Sprinters, you can use the car like heating and cooling. Like You always have a motor that you can turn on to use that. Something fascinating that I didn't know with the Tesla is you can run it, run the AC for, he said, up to a week. What? On the battery? On the battery. So people use the Teslas in their garages as the heating and cooling in their garage. They'll just, like, open up all the doors and run the AC or the heat. So then once that technology evolves into the future and we have, like, sprinters, let's let's say, with these batteries in them, Then you have like infinite power effectively and you have all the heating and cooling. And then if you have like a built-in generator, whether it's the actual motor in the car or just like a supplemental generator, then you could constantly be topping off your batteries, but you really wouldn't need to. It's interesting too. You could just go to a charge station 
charge up, go back home. Yeah. So you, you eliminate a lot of utility bills in that. Yeah. In that sense, that would be sick. And there's you, there's a, a sprinter Tesla. Uh, yeah, uh, electric sprinter. So there's a guy named it's like J E H U J who I don't know how to pronounce his name, uh, Garcia, and he's in California. And he's taking, like, old VWs and old uh, cars and swapping them into, uh, like, swapping electric motors and uh, batteries into them. So, like, think if we had the Subaru and we could swap a Tesla battery and a motor in the front and a motor in the back. And then it would be, like, far simpler because electric engines and motors are simple. All the, like, complexities in the software. So, I think that's, like having a like an electric vehicle that had some sort of charging mechanism whether it was a generator or like an internal motor to supplement it sort of like a prius um and just having like an all-in-one vehicle that is that i think that would be awesome but that lends itself to a different kind of travel versus uh having the scamp but another thing is if you took the like if you had a tesla that you were towing with or even any normal car, I've thought about this often, it takes very little fuel to idle a motor in a car, especially like a four-cylinder. So if you could somehow hijack the output of the uh, heating and cooling of the car and funnel that in a tube into your camper, I feel like that would be an excellent sort of dual-purpose heating and cooling solution. Yeah, it would. So that was a number of derailments. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> if you had to, if you could choose any rig for us, what would you choose? A Scamp fifth wheel, for sure. They're just so cool. What kind of truck would you choose then? A, a good one. A good truck. <laughs> Probably a Tacoma, because then we could go truck bed camping solo with just the Tacoma. And you like Tacomas. I really don't care. Just a truck that can pull. Yeah. With That's gas efficient. A Tesla truck? A truckla? Did you see that the video of Simone, I think is her name? Mm -mm. She turned a Tesla into a truck. She cut off the back of it, and it's a truck now. Wow. Yeah, They're releasing trucks soon, too. That would be sweet. That's what we should Ideally, do. Ideally, electric anything, I mean, that is the future. Yeah, it's, it's just a matter of how do you charge it. And do Hopefully you have, solar. Yeah, but you would have to have a lot of solar. And the, Hopefully but, that gets better. I mean, yeah, it is getting the better efficiency, and better. Yeah, it will. I would like a fifth wheel because the bed, it's basically a 13-foot scamp with an addition on top that sits on top of the truck bed that's is a bed. Is it a 13 or 16? I think it's a 13. I think okay. it's a tiny 13. I could be wrong, but... I don't know. I think it's a 13 with an extra five, six feet that is lifted up, sits on the truck bed, and is a bed. So you have, then we wouldn't have to convert the seating section in the 13 foot into a bed section. I mean, then that, we could that's have that our booth. table and chair. Yeah. But we don't really need the booth. That would be a dreamy luxury, probably won't ever do that. But Unless if we had a kid or something, that might make sense. Yeah. Yeah. True. And the truck bed scamps or any uh, fifth wheel camper, they're... I guess driving them and like getting them into tight spots and stuff is a lot easier because it's oh right on the back yeah how it's attached I, I've not experimented with that but so it's still a fifth wheel is still a trailer that another option that I really like 
we toured them with my grandparents before we chose this camp are truck bed campers, campers that sit in the truck bed, and then the bed part of it goes over top of the truck. That is not a trailer. That's a truck bed camper. A truck bed we were camper. just looking this up, trying to differentiate between like a truck bed camper and like a truck topper, like our friend Brian has. Um, like if you're camping in the truck bed, well, for this conversation, we'll call those toppers. Okay. Right. Got it. And then the truck campers are the full-on campers that actually sit in the truck beds. I like those truck bed campers, but it the problem there would be that they're not... You can detach some of them, but I think I don't often see those detached. But they yeah. come, Some of them have legs that you can put down, and then you can unhitch it from the truck. Cause truly, but Zoe did that, you know? Like, yeah. Zoe and them have one and on... Or, like, put the legs down and then pulled it off. I know. That's what I'm saying. If, uh, but if if that were easier, or if there was one that was, like, made to do that a lot, I feel like that would be an awesome solution. But if you were just stuck... You might as well have a trailer if, if you're trying to detach like that. Maybe. Yeah, but the cool thing, too, about the truck bed campers is you can also tow something else behind. Oh, like a boat. Yeah. Or another camper. Yeah. Something. Yeah, there's a lot of options there. Have you ever seen somebody towing a? Don't I feel like I've seen the three setup where there's yeah. two. What are those people carrying? It's like a camper towing a car, towing a boat, or something. Or, or I think it goes camper boat car. We've heck? seen them a couple of times. Or like, uh, camper car, like a big truck. Normally, it's like a motorhome. So a motorhome, by my definition, has a motor in it. So it's like a bus would be sort of a motor home. Okay. Then um, what's an RV? An RV, well, it's vehicle. a recreational vehicle, so it's like mega ambiguous. I think of that, a motor home, mm-hmm. as an RV. There's different classes of RVs, too. Yeah. And I don't know what those classes are. Yeah, they're different. I don't either. It's wild when you see those giant motor homes, giant luxury towing their vehicle behind. I have no desire to have one of those, though. Like, even if I had infinite money and I wasn't worried about carbon footprints or whatever, I just don't... It would be so anxiety-filled to pull that around. Like, when we were... Just recently, we were traveling between... uh, On our way to Portland, and we were in traffic for, like, what, three hours, hours, four hours? Through Seattle, like, major cities. It wasn't even, like, rush hour traffic. It's just tight traffic and, like, four lanes. And it's so stressful when you're towing because I'm, like, constantly scanning my mirrors to get a mental picture of, like, what all's going on and where everybody is. And then people are swerving in and out and then frustrated because I can't go super (laughs) fast. So it's, like, it's so stressful. So having, like, a giant motorhome and towing... A truck behind it? I just can't even fathom. Even without the truck. That yeah. would be a, a situation. And then you're so limited in where you can park. And you have to then take your whole setup to go fill up with water and dump your black water and stuff. It would be quite Lots of complexities. Though, when it would make a little more sense for me, similar to a bus, a schoolie setup, I, I could do a big rig like that if I wasn't moving it. However, you would then want to have some sort of a situation, like be connected to the grid where your black water's going out mm-hmm. and where you're getting water in. 
then that is sure that'd be nice that'd be just a large luxury vehicle yeah so like if we had a spot of land with like let's say septic or even if you had a composting toilet in it and then had some sort of like grid connection for power yeah sure that'd then be it nice might make sense it's not i would feel like it would just be a miniature house cuz you'd have like in a tiny house you'd have all the common luxuries it's just a smaller setup yeah i would i would do that makes sense but for the travel mm, i don't know mm I just wouldn't ever do a giant motorhome. So for us, like the fundamental thing for how we would choose a, a rig is uh, the ability to boondock. Like if you can't, if you have to be plugged into power and water and sewage all the time just to function at all, I just don't think that that would be worth it because you would ha always have to be in an RV park or a campground or or be close to one. Yeah, and I just think that would be really difficult if you were older though and really wanted to have a bathroom i don't know even still composting toilet that's easy but if you're not trying to go off grid and travel and stuff some people just want to be in motorhomes or yeah. trailer parks and stuff and there's the community aspect of it yes and you've mentioned if you had kids yeah. That would be a really nice thing because then the kids can play with other kids and the adults can see other adults. Because some people don't want to be alone to the extent that we are. Right. And that makes sense. So what we look for is off-grid. We do move legally. We stay within the legal limits of the 14 days. Or in some places it is 16. Some days it's... Or some places it's less, too. Yeah, seven. It just depends. Um... So we do move frequently, but we are not moving. Usually, the way that we like to do it, we will stay as long as we can. We stay the full extent of the limit. We've been traveling a lot this summer. To or, that's ideal. Like yes, we like yeah. if we can if we can stay for a full two and weeks. And if we that's have best. internet connection and it's a nice place with water close, that's super ideal. But this summer we have been trying to get up here to the Pacific Northwest, so we've been moving quite a bit, and it's been really fun. But until now, I didn't ever fully understand the perk of having a van and a van life. Because I, I was just thinking, well, why would I want to move my house every time I have to go to the grocery store? I'd lose my spot every time I'd move. I, um, If my van, the engine broke down, I would then lose my house as it's being fixed. I just didn't really see the benefit of a van for my um, ideal type of a lifestyle. But now, oh my gosh, it would be pretty easy to live out here or in going through cities if you're working in a city. Having a van would make a lot of sense. Totally. I think that last situation you mentioned living in a city, if you had sort of a stealth build, I think that's about the only way you could do it. And I think that's kind of getting harder and harder over time though because so many more people are doing it given the housing market being so crazy and everything. so then the laws are becoming yeah. more strict and people are just more mindful of it like you could i don't know 10 years ago maybe have a van that looked like a work truck and camp somewhere but camp now, like in a neighborhood yeah but now people are a lot more mindful of it and it triggers people i don't really know oh i think it's a trigger i think where you're about to go with that is that other people see that and say, hey, you're living out of your car. You're not paying taxes. You're not allowed to do that. Yeah. But 
in fact, you are paying taxes, but, <laughs> but you don't own a right. piece of land, so you're not paying property tax. Right. And I guess sometimes there's the the stereotype of people living on the road being um, questionable as far as like stealing stuff or whatever. Mm-hmm. I guess that, that like scares people too. I suppose there's a lot of variables. Yeah. Lack of education maybe in that yeah. sense. Um, where were we though with that? Oh, the, the van and being able to like constantly be moving. That would be sweet. If we were, if you were somebody who full-time traveler or say you're making a lot of vlogs and documentaries about your travels, which we have been doing more of, Mm -hmm. it would be so nice to just move from spot to spot instead of get all the way out to a spot, then have to go back into town and load up, then go back. I don't know. It just totally depends on what you're working with and what your situation is as to which type of rig would be best. If I was doing more short-term stuff, too, I think a van would be ideal. Like weekend warrior or even yeah. month-long trips? Yeah. Yeah, for like, sure. Kind of like what Connor, my brother's doing. Mm-hmm. What did he get? Uh, he has a Transit Connect. So it's one of the smaller... So if you picture a Sprinter, it's like a small small sprinter made by ford and they have a transit xl as well but the connect is smaller i think that would be a great for solo person for sure yeah that's he's a climbing instructor so he will take that on um weekend or week-long trips or longer or longer and go coach on the road he's got a podcast yeah condor climbing um i'll have a link to his stuff in the show notes too uh, let's see, what else? So, as far as vans go, what what is an ideal van for you, or which ones stick out to you, which ones do you like? I think I would like one that you could stand up in. It is such a perk to be able to change in the scamp and not have to be sitting down as I put my pants on or something, um, or kneeling. I envy that. Well, you don't have to sit or <laughs> kneel, you just can't stand up fully. Yeah. And, yeah, that would be a lot better for you if you could fully stand up so something tall enough ideally built out well with everything we need in a really clean and efficient way we'd probably if we had a van we would do motorcycles on the back so that we wouldn't have to take the whole setup into town or at least an electric bike some some means of transportation that's not moving your whole house yeah I think a motorcycle would be awesome, though. And I even think in our current setup, if we could find a way to have some means of transportation, whether it be a one-wheel or electric bike or motorcycle something, that would be really helpful. But that depends on where we are parking. Yeah. In Colorado, there was an area that we were we stayed for several months within this large area. And in that place, that would have been good to have an electric bike or something, but Mm -hmm. like in Arizona, we could have gotten away with a one wheel because Mm -hmm. the distance was shorter. So it totally depends on where we're at. Yeah. So it's hard to find the solution that accommodates all situations. Once we found some land that could come a lot easier, the decision could be made a lot easier because then there is less changing variables. Yeah. I, I, the most interesting vans to me, I think are the older Westfalia's. Um, and Westfalia is actually a separate company from Volkswagen. 
So they're just the company that uh, like does the build outs on the vans. So they've actually done Westfalia or Westfalia has built out a lot of different vehicles, primarily European vehicles. Um, but I just think their sort of thoughtful and space conscious approach is awesome. And they don't have that like classic uh, retro-y, like forced retro RV style to them. They maintain, they're like a minimalist sort of clean aesthetic, almost like the brawn design or like apple design, you know, on the inside, the Westies just the same aesthetic has carried through from, I don't know, the 70s until now. Kind of like scamps too. So I think those vans are awesome, but the motors, the stock motors aren't super reliable. Uh, if I were to get one, I'd probably get a Synchro. But then I, if if I got any Westie at all, I would go to Eurobus and get a Subaru motor put in it. What about other fiberglass trailers? Because we chose a fiberglass in the beginning because we only had a, a Mini Cooper to work with. Yeah. So we like the fiberglass just because they're lightweight and they're small. And long-lasting. All the things that we bid rated in the first podcast. They're so similar all the different or the three main fiberglass trailers that i think we've seen bowler casita and scamps are all super super similar and mm. there's a number of other fiberglass trailers but we would have we could have found a casita we were looking for either a casita or a scamp in the beginning a 13 foot because they're so similar found a scamp first love the scamp but the scamps are from minnesota so they are built with heaters Whereas casitas are made in Texas, and they usually have AC units attached. And then the bowlers come from Canada. We haven't seen a ton of bowlers. Mm -hmm. I think they're all about, they're all really similar. And then there's the, what was, what's the one that's like a yacht, and they're super expensive? A Cooper? No, uh, something like that. What are those called? We saw them when we were at the art or the fiberglass trailer meetup in Quartzsite, Arizona. It was really nice. It was a, it was like a yacht on the inside, yeah. but it, the, it didn't seem super efficient. It was no. more luxury than efficient. And there is super well built, but the use of space wasn't at all genius. And it was, it seemed super duper heavy too. But I mean, the it's not that the scamps and casitas are built very. They're built for not long-term living right. style. That's but, why we took everything out. Yeah. Yeah, true. I wish that there were one, like the Happier Campers, if you look them up, I'll link them in the show notes too. Um, but they're interesting because the whole inside of it is modular. And they have a door that opens up the back of it. So you can use it, like, you could have a motorcycle or something in it. Use it like a toy hauler almost. Yeah, those are really cool. It lifts up like a trunk door, right? Yeah. Full up and like down. The, if you picture the back of the scamp, like, if the whole back of the scamp just lifted up. And that would That'd kind of open awesome. up your space, You too. could put a bug net around that and have it be a second living room. Yeah. Like, that's where your awning could be. Right. I mean, that, the door would be the awning. That'd be kind of cool. Yeah, they're really cool. And the whole inside of them, they have these like blocks that you use. It's like uh, almost like ottomans. 
to make your couch or your bed, and they all have storage in them. And then you could like slide around all your different uh, cooking space or whatever. So you could always adapt it to different situations. Those are really cool. Um, and then there's one other brand called Armadillo. And those are interesting. U-Hauls are interesting. Yeah. We talked all about that in the last episode. Yeah. Um, but they don't make those anymore. They only made them for three years. That's yeah, crazy. but they they made them so well. Yep. Like it's freaking. I wish bomber. they'd pull those back out. That would right. be cool. Um, so yeah, as far as fiberglass campers go, there's there's a lot there's a lot to choose from. Um, the best site to look at them is uh, fiberglassrvsforsale.com. Uh, I'll link that in the show notes too. Teardrops are another option for smaller car setups, or if you were solo. That would be a good one. Mm-hmm. Weekend warrior type stuff or shorter term kind of living style. And if you have a lot of gear, you can like stack gear on top of them a lot of times. Or boats, not like... Put a boat on top of no, a gear No, like, uh, like a kayak. Okay, yeah. Or okay. a canoe, you know, <laughs> like not, not a full on, yeah. The problem with those is you are very... It's a bed. You're towing around a bed, and then sometimes they have kitchen setups on the outside. They're pretty cool, though. It's almost like you're towing around a tent, you know? But if you're in really cold climates, or if you just want the, like, simplicity of that, or even if you're in bear country or whatever, um, I don't know, it makes a lot of sense. And there's something to having hard sides all the way around that just makes you makes me feel more comfortable yeah, anyway. Especially in bear country. Yeah. I think there's I mean, there's so many options. Those are kind of the the options we would do if we were moving, but there are, like I said earlier, a lot of ways that I would do this type of a minimal small lifestyle if we were fixed. If we had land that even if it was off grid land that was just ours we wouldn't have to move off of I could do a schoolie yeah convert a schoolie would be cool I mean it's just a space that you are then converting into a home the thing with schoolies though and I know we're talking like uh fixed position yeah but with a school bus you have to take them to certain mechanics for them to be worked on and I, it's like the same people that work on semi-trucks. So I imagine the cost to work on those is pretty immense if they ever do break. And the gas yeah. for those if you were moving them, holy cow. And you normally, they seem to be very heavy when people have them built out to be a really nice home. Uh, yeah, I just think that would be pretty intense to... Another and thing, pretty expensive to move those around. Another thing is the gearing on them is geared for... Uh, like slow moving city travel so if you're like gunning it at 60 miles an hour for a long time i can't imagine that would one be good on the gearbox and two gas mileage would probably be abysmal and if you were off-roading on them that would shake everything inside up quite a bit i don't i mean school buses aren't designed to go off-roading either yeah not really so having them in a fixed place in my opinion is the best option for a schoolie, but I've never lived in one. And that being, yeah, that being said, we haven't really experimented with them, and we've only met a few people, and they love them. Like, anybody who has a schoolie is, like, all about it. Mm-hmm. Usually the the people we've met seem to be people who have the shorter schoolies, not, like, the mm-hmm. full-blown school bus. 
I think the shorter schoolies are really cool. Because mm-hmm. it's full height, full everything, giant motor, and then you just have like a reasonable amount of space. And they have so much power that you could put a lot of stuff on top of them. Like you could have uh, gear racks and a bunch of solar and all that kind of stuff. And even have boats on the back of them, like facing upright. So it's pretty cool, but I think, like you said, ideally for a more fixed uh, position. And then you might as well, I mean, you might as well just, you're going to build out a full schoolie. Might as well just build out a full tiny house on a trailer. It would give you a little bit more, I mean, you've got the shell with the bus, so you don't need to be making your own shell, but I mean, you might as well just get a trailer and make a tiny house on it. Yeah, that's true. If you had the skill, that would be really cool. Then you could fully customize every inch of it. But like we mentioned in our Why We Chose the Scamp video, you would probably want to have your tiny house attached to the grid for it to be the nice, or at least that's what I would do. I'd build it out to be a miniature house, a tiny house. So to have it on the grid would be When you're really saying nice. grid, what do you mean? Connecting to water and to power would just make it easy. Yeah, but I think you could also accommodate with solar and... Wood stove. And a well or something like that. Yeah, for sure. Just like, I mean, yurts, geodesic domes. Mm -hmm. If you dug a hole into the ground and then put a geodesic dome with quality insulation on top, that could be a pretty self-regulating temperature system with a wood stove in the middle. That'd be really cool. And it wouldn't be phenomenally expensive. Mm -hmm. That's the thing with a lot of tiny houses is you either have to have the time to invest in building it out or you have to pay a hefty premium to have it built out for you. And this is something that Andrew brought up in our last podcast was talking about when they were looking for their, they were looking for fiberglass campers to live in. And in, they were trying to like find the best price on them, you know, like save a couple grand but in delaying that to find the best price, they ended up paying several thousand dollars in rent over the course of a few months while they tried to find the best deal. So in some situations, it makes more sense to like pay the premium to get it over with so that you're not just like bleeding out that cash. That was sort of what we were thinking when we were looking at tiny houses is we would finance it um, so that we wouldn't have to find a place to build it out. But now that we have the scamp, if we were to transition into something like that and get some land, then we can live in the scamp while we build out, build out whatever that uh, like fixed solution is, whether it be a geodesic dome or just a cabin or a tiny house or a bus, whatever. Um, now that we have that accommodated, we could then do something like that. I think that one of those options or an option similar would be the next move after the scamp. It, if everything played out, well, I think that's what I would do. Yeah. But what about solo people? That I think the options for people who are traveling alone are different than couples or families. I think you almost have more options as a solo totally. person. Yeah, totally. I think something like a, uh, oh, let's dive into that. But the sort of benefit that, of traveling with someone is that we get to share all these experiences with one another. Like if, if I was just solo, I think it would be hard because even now with us, we can share the experiences between us, 
but then I want to like bring people along and tell them about it. Like YouTube helps, but I'm always like, man, I just wish that I could get my friends out here. Mm -hmm. I wish that I could get people out here to like share this experience. So I feel like solo travel does make it a lot easier. Like there are not necessarily easier, but there are a lot more options. You're a lot more adaptable, but there are those sort of, uh, subconscious benefits of traveling with multiple people that, uh, I think are awesome too. And multiple people share the load of the whole right. everything. You do, you attach the scamp, you drive. Um, I clean up the inside, pack up the inside while you do the outside. There's a lot of elements of shared responsibility in having more than one person living this way. Right. And if you had one person, if you were just solo, you could make it a lot simpler, but you'd be taking on that whole load by yourself. Mm -hmm. So if you were to be solo, what kind of setup would you like to have? I think I would, as a solo female, I'd probably do a van because there would be less complexity. I wouldn't have to uh, attach a trailer to a rig. Not that I couldn't, but I think a van would be the easiest for me. And also I'd probably make it more stealth looking just because I would feel more comfortable that way. I'd probably have an electric bike or a motorcycle attached to the back so that I wouldn't have to move the van if I needed to go to town or something. But maybe a teardrop? Mm, but still, I'd do a van because then if I was in a sketchy place, I wouldn't have to get out of the van. I think that's huge. Even for guys, too. The ability to, like, if you're camping in cities and around a lot of people... The ability to jump out of bed if something's awry and just drive off mm -hmm. is real nice from, from a safety perspective. But you could also do car camping a lot easier. Truck bed camping, or what are, what are we calling it now? <laughs> like uh, toppers, toppers. Yeah, yeah, sleeping in the back of your truck. Or even in a minivan. That would be a lot easier if you were just solo. I think if it was me, I would... Like, I'm, I'm intrigued by a motorcycle. Like, just having, um, like, a hammock set up um, or, a, like, a bivy set up, too. So, just really simple place to sleep. And then having the ability to go anywhere on, like, a uh, sort of street-worthy dirt bike. I think that would be a blast. But then you would have to... Find, I mean, if you were eating on the road, like going out to eat, that would be easy. Uh, but mm, it, it just totally depends on what you're out to do, like yeah. where you're traveling. Because you'd be packing up your bed all the time yeah. and then moving around. But if you were doing long distance travel, that would be really, really fun. Yeah. I think that would be like a short term like cross-country type of thing would be really fun. Short-term, long-term? Short-term, long-term type? Yeah, like a few <laughs> months or something. Mm -hmm. But uh, I think if I was by myself doing it, like, relatively full-time, I'd do something similar to what our friend Brian has, like a truck topper uh, situation. Um, but I would get the taller topper. Uh, hopefully, like, one, even there are, um, what are they called? Kimbo makes one, and Earth Roamers make them. But, uh, like, a fiberglass topper that goes up over the top of the vehicle, too, that I could build out inside however I wanted. I think that would be ideal. Be awesome. But, I don't know. Also, the Ford Transit Connects, like my brother has, I think that would be an awesome vehicle. 
and I'd just get a little bit smaller wheel and cram as much tire in as I could to make it capable off-road, and then that would be a pretty sweet rig too. So now that we've talked about all the different rigs that we like, how would you, where would you start giving advice to somebody who wants to do this? Like, what would you have them look at first? Honestly, I think the best place to start is going camping. Like with whatever you have or just doing it on the cheap and go out for the weekend and just do that a lot. Like go camping a lot, go explore and figure out how much you need, the things that you really like to have and how little you actually need to thrive and just get used to that. And then kind of go from there because then you'll be able to establish your own needs and your desires and all that, you know, because we spent a lot of time camping uh, when I was really into climbing, I'd go camping almost every weekend. So I got used to that. And over time, I realized that I really don't need that much to be happy. And honestly, the less I have, the happier I am. So every time I went camping, I was like, why don't I just do this? You know, so I think that is a good place to start. Just try it, you know, like try it in little bursts, little experiments. Um, don't, think that you got to go buy a whole rig and a van and everything just to like go spend time in nature just go do that and make it easy on yourself like find uh parks or national forests or whatever it is near your house or like just beautiful areas or go on canoe trips those types of things and just get used to being in the outdoors and camping and then evolve from there into whatever would make sense for you what do you think i think that you're right camping is the first step and then taking a look at what you have to work with when we when we started doing this we chose the scamp because we had either a pontiac vibe or a mini cooper at our disposal and we were trying really hard to not have to take out a loan on a truck so we chose a very small, very lightweight camper that would fit both of us. And we towed for an entire year with our Mini Cooper. So working with what you have, I think, is huge. Because like you said, you don't have to just go out and buy all this new stuff just to get outside. I think that limits a lot of people, too, because they think they need all these different things or they need a certain setup, they need a bathroom, etc. When there's a lot of ways around... You can do it really simply. But you have to experiment and and kind of figure it out and mm -hmm. work with what you have before investing in things that, I mean, you you may not need the, um, what, what might you not need? I mean, all the things. But I think the tendency, too, is, for me at least, is to sort of hide in that complexity. Like, I seek solace in it. So I'll just, like, drown myself in... Uh, all the things that I do need or all the issues but that and are like And then you never make me. any decisions because right. you're just stuck in thinking about how um, challenging it is or you, you're just limited by all the options. Right, like, oh, once I get this thing, once I get a new van, then I'll actually go outside. Or, oh, I, I, I should get a new tent before I go camping. Or, oh, we really need a water filter. Or, you know, like there's so many... I'll just stay at home. Yeah, and I was like, eh, screw it. <laughs> so, yeah, I think the, the first real step is to just dive into it, 
simply and just work with what you got. And take a look at your budget. That's pretty important. What do you have financially that would help you make this work? Mm -hmm. Because if you're spending a ton of money on a camper and then you have to go uh, get a new car, you're not going to have a whole lot of left, or you may not have a lot of leftover money for gas expenses. Or to buy the peripheral items that you'll need to be able to... Yeah, like a water filter. Yeah, or, um, solar. Or like a down blanket if you're camping in the winter. Right. So it's not just buying the car and or the truck and the camper. It's all the peripherals that go with that. And thinking about where you're going to be, what type of travel you're going to be doing. Are you going to be staying in one state? Will you be trying to travel all around the United States? Or are you going to be going to a bunch of national parks? Or are you going to be kind of staying relatively close to the city? Or do you have a more permanent place? Like Andrew and Aaron have, uh, they've been, they looked on Craigslist. They looked on Craigslist and found a person with land that they're doing a work trade for. So they're like painting and doing a bunch of things, helping them install a, uh, solar hot water heater. So if you have a situation like that available or you can make something like that happen, then that sort of adapts your situation. Because in that situation, you could almost not have the truck. Like one of our friends just has uh, an A-frame camper and she just tows it whenever absolutely necessary. Given there, there's a lot less sort of freedom in that. But if you have the land then you can just get your living situation there and then move it once every six months or whatever. I love the scamp. I think that's, we thought about it so hard before we made every decision and we still continue to do that because we don't have a lot of space or really time to have mistakes. All right, well, and the money side of it. Like, we're both hyper-frugal, almost to a fault. So, none of, neither of us really enjoy spending money. So, if we, like, make a blunder and waste resources in the form of uh, money, it just doesn't feel good. So, we're slow to move a lot of times because we're trying to alleviate that. The one thing that I think we moved too quickly on was the the Berkey water filter. Yeah. That was way too big. But uh, Berkey water is delicious and yeah. I felt good knowing that we could take water from anywhere and it would be clean. But uh, yeah, that's not a very travel friendly setup. They have a travel friendly one, but I don't even know how travel friendly it is. Yeah. So, I don't know. So yeah, we do make small in like the <laughs> the first Yeti cooler that we got. Oh my gosh, was a bag. Yeah, it was the bag cooler. But I didn't really realize it would be so awful. Yeah. I mean, they're not that bad. I don't I just don't yeah. That's, they're not great it's though. It's for beer. Yeah. But we turned around and sold it for the same price that we bought it for. Mm -hmm. So, that wasn't an issue. But I don't know. You just got to do it. <laughs> just do it, okay? Just do it. But also think about it really hard. Yeah. <laughs> and give us a shout if you have any questions or need motivation to get it rocking. This is one of Baron's favorite things to geek out on. Mm -hmm. So truly, reach out. Yeah, shoot me an email. Okay, are we done? Yes, Great. I believe so. <laughs>
Well, I can't wait for the next one. Yeah. Have a wonderful day, y'all, and we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to this episode. For more information and links to the things we talked about, check out our show notes at normal2nomad.com slash podcast. If you want to see more of what we're up to, we've documented our travels on YouTube for the past three years and are up to a quarter of a million subscribers. Check it out at youtube.com slash Please give us a five-star review if you like the show so other people can find it. Thank you, and have a wonderful day.